to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I know you've been staying in a while, but I want you to stand just for a few more minutes and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you so much. I'm doing this series entitled One. I want to preach about unity in the church and how we're one. Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul's writing, and this is what he wrote. He said, I, beginning at verse 1, Ephesians 4 verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And, and how do you do that? With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another with one another in love. This is the key verse, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace for there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and i like this and in you all how many of you glad god's in you that's cool isn't it amen come on give god a praise would you and then you can be seated that's awesome thank god for his word this morning uh, I, want, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever received an important call that contained within it a special invitation? A spe- you got a phone call that had within it a special invitation. It might have been a phone call that was an invitation for a job interview that you had been looking for. Perhaps it was a phone call for the job itself. They called you and said, congratulations, you've got the job. If you want it, it's yours. There's something about getting a special call with an invitation. Um, I had that happen to me. Uh, I was a senior at East Coast Bible College in the, in, the, in the final year. I was graduating. I had interviewed at a church called Praise Cathedral, whose pastor was Bobby Johnson. And I remember the day when uh, in the dorm room, the phone rang. Uh, we did not have cell phones back then. Believe it or not, those of you who are younger, there was a time when cell phones did not exist. And they had these things called pay phones. You should Google it. They're really cool. You'd put quarters in it, and there's an operator. Anyway, we had a dorm room with a pay phone on the bottom floor and the pay phone on the upper floor, and phone and rang. Somebody in the hallway picked it up and came, knocked on my door, and said, there's a guy named Bobby Johnson who wants to talk to you. And I went and talked to him, and he said, uh, son, I'm calling you to offer you the job if you want to come be my youth pastor at Praise Cathedral. And I gladly accepted it and went to Praise Cathedral to be served 10 and a half years as a youth pastor, associate pastor, course from there came here and played at this church out of that church this was a satellite for six months from praise cathedral we started this church and so that was a really special call um i'm a preacher and i'm a preacher in the church of god the denomination we're in and if you ask any preacher in the church of god if they're honest they will tell you that they would love to preach a church of god camp meeting every year our states have their state camp meeting or convention and it's a big deal and if you get to ask, not a lot of people get asked to preach camp meetings. And so if every preacher was honest, they would tell you they would love to get a phone call. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people. I thought, man, I wonder if the day will ever come where, where somebody will call me. And sure enough, I got not but one but two phone calls. Uh, one to go to, the, to Iowa, Nebraska and preach their camp meeting. And then I went to Louisiana, preached their camp meeting. And you talk about an honor and what a special call to get that invitation. I mean, if I don't ever get called again, just to, just to be able to say that I was able to do that, that, that means a lot to me. Well, whatever happens to us in this life with those special calls and invitations, and no matter how important those are, 
Paul tells us, and we know this from experience, that, that one day you and I receive the most important call and the most important invitation we'll ever get. And that was the call from God, the call to be saved, the call to be born again, the call to become his child, his son, his daughter, and, and, and to accept him as her savior. And if you're saved this morning, then obviously you answered the call and you accepted his invitation and you're born again and you're saved. Now, what Paul says in this verse, this very important text that we're going to look at today, is that now that you have accepted the call, accepted the invitation, you have to fulfill the call of God in your life. In other words, you're obligated to live up to the call that you've received. And what I want you to note is this. You don't solely fulfill the call by yourself. You, you do it along with those who are in the body of Christ, the rest of us. In other words, each of us have been called, but we fulfill this call together Individually, we are sons and daughters of God, but collectively, we are the family of God. And, and, and I think you know this, families are healthy and families are functional when they operate in unity. You know, if you have disunity to family, then that creates dysfunction. And Paul says that we walk worthy of our calling as individuals and as the family of God, or we fulfill our calling, this is very important, by endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, and so here's what I want to say to you today, right out of the gate, because I'm talking about unity in the church. Spiritual unity is the norm in the church when all of its members live under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. If we'll just yield to the Holy Spirit and submit to the Holy Spirit, you'd be amazed how then you have unity in the church. And the Bible encourages you to do everything in your power to preserve the unity in your church. Um, it's something you should strive for. It's something that you should be passionate about. In other words, you should say, I'm not going to ever disrupt the unity at High Praises Church, and I'm not going to permit someone else to do it either. That's how passionate and ardent you should be about protecting the unity. See, when the Holy Spirit is guiding and controlling your life and my life, then a unified church is normal. Um, like I preached last Sunday, unity is expected because we are one in Christ. And when Jesus looks at his church, he does not see division. He sees unity. That's why Paul and I could preach a whole series of messages on this one verse that I read, but that's why Paul said that from God's point of view, there's only one body. There's only one. Now, we may have lots of local churches and fellowships in Anderson County, but, but we're all part of one body. Those who are born again, I should say, are part of the church with a capital C. And he said there's only one spirit. See, the Baptists don't have a different Holy Spirit than us here in Pentecostal church. The Presbyterians don't have a different Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. There's only one Spirit. He, there's only one hope of your calling. We all have the same hope. There's only one Lord, Jesus. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. There's only one God and Father of all. So unity is what God is all about, and unity is what we should be all about. So here's what I want to present to you this morning. What can you do by the help of the Holy Spirit to promote unity in our church? And I'm going to tell you what Paul says. Number one, if you're taking notes or whatever, make notes, write this down. Number one, be a humble person. Be a humble person. It's what Paul calls lowliness. Lowliness. 
So what he means by that is in church with your brothers and sisters, try to always exhibit a humble attitude of unselfish concern for the welfare of others here at HPC. There's something called self-aggrandizement. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but self-aggrandizement occurs when you act in a way to make yourself more powerful or more important in the church. And I've seen this play out. I've seen people who had important uh, worldly positions, people who had a lot of money, a lot of wealth, come into a church and try to take over and control the pastor and control the church. They figure if they had influence and, and power and they were calling the shots at business or anywhere else, then they could come in the church and do the same thing. But that's not how it works. This creates disunity in the church. And every time I've ever seen it happen, it splinters the church and it, and it creates disunity in the church. So I know a lot of people in this church, you have positions, some of you own your own businesses, but let me try to help you to understand this in, in a way that's practical. When you come home from work, okay? When you come home from work each night, your, your spouse and kids don't care if you are vice president of this or manager of that. You left that at work. When you come in the house, you are just a member of the family. You're either mom or dad, you're a husband, you're a wife. And that's all that's expected of you, all right? It's irrelevant in the home if you're in charge at work or you tell people what to do all day on the job. You lay all that aside, you are simply a member of the family. Am I right? Okay, same thing's true in church. Same thing's true in the church. Whatever power or wealth or position or titles or education or fame that you possess outside the church is laid aside when you step into the church. And I'm not just talking about Sundays when you step into the church. I'm talking about all the time when you relate to anybody in this church anywhere, anytime. You, you lay all that aside and realize that we're all family. You're family. We're family. Okay? How many of you know there are no big I's and little U's in the church? Last time I checked, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody stands higher than somebody else. Nobody stands lower than anybody else. We all stand on level ground at the cross. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what you own or what you possess or how many people you know, you know or how many people you can call on the phone and, and make things happen and how much a shaker and a mover you are. I, I appreciate all that. If you're a senator, a congressman, a mayor, a city council member, a, a whatever you are, if you were the president of the United States, that's great. But when you come in here, none of that matters right now because all you are is a born-again child of God just like me. See, you're justified and I'm justified. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can call on the name of Jesus, hey, I can call on the name of Jesus. See, none of that matters. We're and so when, when you want to keep unity in the church, you just you leave all that alone and you just say, we are, we are family. I'm about to do my sister sledge, but I'll hold off. I got all my sisters and me, you know what I'm saying? I'm like fighting temptation right now. It's just like Eve in the garden right now. So be a, be a humble person. How do you want to keep unity at high praises? Be a meek person, a gentle person. And guys, by the way, I love this, and I've heard this, and you may have heard it. Some of you may not. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness has been defined as strength under control. 
So if you're a big, strong kind of guy, but you keep it all under control and you're gentle with your wife and you're gentle with your girls or your kids, that's meekness, see? But I ain't gonna mess with you because you're big. You're strong. See, everybody knows you're big and strong. Anybody can be big and strong, but it takes a, oh, feel the Holy Ghost right now. It takes a man to be meek. Okay, and so that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be men of God that are meek, strength under control. And he, and he entitles that gentleness. Um, it means to be unpretentious, unpretentious, unpretentious. Have you ever met somebody who tried, maybe tries, because you know them now, tries to impress you with who they are and what they know and what they do and who they do, uh, or who, the, who they know rather and what they do, get it out straight, and you're just you're just sitting there listening to them, and you're like going, "Please stop, okay?" But they're just trying to, and they it's, why is it they always like they try hard? It's like they're trying too hard to impress you. That's being pretentious. Now the reason I emphasize that is because you need to understand unpretentious people don't do that. They don't have to emphasize their educational degrees or titles at work, and in the church, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can be real in church. You can be yourself in church. In, in church, if it's, if it's the right way it's supposed to be, we accept you for who you are. And we want you to accept us for who we are. In church, you can take off your mask and be vulnerable. You don't have to put up a front. As a matter of fact, let me just help you here. If you come to a church like this church and you're putting up a front, it's going to be comical to the rest of us. It's going to be funny because we're, and it may be a little bit annoying because we're like, what are you doing? You know, I don't, I don't care who you know and I don't care what you do for a living. And I mean, I know we got to go over here, guy over here makes more money than you and has a better position than you. Why, why do you want to do that? We don't care. We don't, we don't worry about that here. Here we're just family. Just be you. And you know, there are people that struggle with that. They have a hard time because they're just, they're always on the defensive. It's a defensive mechanism. The man that bows up, you know, the alpha male. Bowing up, you know. We don't need tough guys. We got one tough guy and he's enough. His name's Jesus. We got one tough guy and he does it for, he's good for the rest of us. There's a man sitting in this church today that didn't know I was going to preach about him. But he's sitting right over here. Do you want me to have him stand? I'm just kidding. He is our church treasure and a dear, dear friend of mine. His name's Woody Sluss. And years ago, when Woody worked, Woody, to just not get into the details, Woody was a high-level executive for a corporation. Worked high level. And he and I were talking one day. I was a younger man, and I never forgot this. Probably 20 years later, Woody, you don't even know, but I remember this. He, I, I can remember it as clear as day. This young preacher was listening to this high-level executive at a, business, at a corporation. He said, you know, in the business world, he said, you better have thick skin. He said, it could be tough. He said, but when I come here, and he pointed at our church, he said, I don't have any thick skin. He said, I'm vulnerable. He said, I let the walls down when I come in here. And this is what he told me. He said, you could stab me in the back here, and it's going to hurt me. Now, I hope nobody ever stabbed him in the back. 
Hopefully we don't stab each other in the back here, right? We love each other. But that's the point. I thought, how powerful that here's a guy who deals with powerful businessmen day in, day out, every day of the week at a high level, and yet says, that's the way it works out there. And that's not how it works in here. I get to come here and I let my guard down because this is my family. This is my family. That's how we keep the unity. Here's the third way. You be a, be a patient person. Paul uses a word, long-suffering. Another, another word is patient endurance. It means you bear with your brothers and sisters in love. Bear with each other. Put up with each other. Restrain from saying or doing something that would hurt or offend somebody when they get on your nerves. Pastor, can somebody get on your nerves in the church? Yes. Yes, they can. But in the church, we have to learn the art of overlooking people's annoying idiosyncrasies. And everybody in this room has an idiosyncrasy. And so we learn to look over them and annoy. Now, if anybody pulls out fingernail clippers and you would be so brash as to clip your nails in the house of God, I will have an usher escort you out. You've gone from annoying to being (laughs) something else. But we've all got... I chew my nails. Oh, don't chew your nails. Y'all know what's under that fingernail? Some people suck their teeth. Don't suck your teeth. Everybody in this room has an idiosyncrasy. And what we do is we overlook that and we bear with one another and we put up with one another and we're patient with another. Some people, some people are still growing in the Lord. We're patient with them. Some people are young in the Lord. We got to be patient with them. Some people are weak in the faith. So, you know, they, they're, they're still working out their theology and they get looking. We got to be patient with it. We, that's how you keep unity. The day you're no longer, the day you become impatient, you don't put up with another, you're going to have clashes in the church. Will someone say or do something that rubs you wrong or gets on your nerves? Probably. And if you weren't here last week, I preached about brother and sister jerk. Go to church long enough and somebody will hurt your feelings. Somebody will, somebody will say something that will make you mad. Just keep coming. It'll happen because brother jerk will do it. Okay? And we'll have to deal with brother jerk. But you look past those things and you love people as you want to be loved and you accept people as you want to be accepted. And if you'll do that, you can keep unity in the church. There is an interesting phrase that Paul uses in that statement, the unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. And he uses this little phrase, in the bond of peace. The bond, what binds it together? What is it that takes all of the components, all of the people in the church and brings it together and holds it together in constant unity. It's peace. It's like my belt. Now, I've got a belt on right now, okay? And fortunately, I don't need my belt to hold my pants up. It's sort of an accessory, but I got my belt on. Figure I might need to whoop somebody's child. I just keep it handy. I'm just kidding. But, you know, some people have to have a belt. You know, you got to tuck their shirt in, and the belt helps keep the shirt tucked in, not work its way out. And then, of course, they, they wear it so the pants won't fall down. 
That's kind of the thought here is that you've got all these moving parts in this church and all these different people of all different ages and ethnicities and, and males and females. And we got people from all different backgrounds. Like I preached last Sunday and we're all coming in here and we're coming together. What in the world keeps us unified? What is it that keeps us coming every Sunday and we love it on each other and care? What is it? It's we, we stay at peace with one another. So you gotta avoid warring factions and things of that nature. You gotta stay away from conflicts and strife because that creates disunity. But peace creates unity in the church. And if you do have a clash, it's like I taught you last Sunday, you work it out. You talk it through, you pray it through, and you love each other and you get through it. Because the option's no good. Makes me think of a story I read about years ago about a man that got shipwrecked on a deserted island. And he was lost for some time, and finally a ship came by the island. He built a big bonfire, and they saw it, and they saved him, rescued him. And the captain came over on a boat. He said, listen, get what few things you have together. We're going to take you on the ship. We're going to take you home and rescue you. And the guy said, oh, that's great. And the captain looked, and he noticed there were three buildings. He said, hey, you built three buildings. He said, what's that building? He said, oh, the guy said, oh, that's my house. He said, oh, that's wonderful. He said, what about that building? He said, well, that's my church. He said, you built a church. He said, I bet that really sustained you through this long ordeal. He said, well, what about that third building? He said, oh, that's the church that I used to go to. Now, when you can have disunity all by yourself, you are talented and you need help. We don't want that at high praises, do we? So let me go back and recap. Be a humble person. We'll be unified. Be a meek person, we'll be unified. Be a patient person, and we'll be unified. Now, I want to shift gears here, and just for the next few minutes, if you allow me, let me talk to you about something that really is important to me. I want to talk to us as a spirit-filled church. Because Paul talks about the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit. And I want to stress that. I think you know this, but if you don't, you need to grab a hold of this truth. If you are saved, born again, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead lives inside of your body. You don't leave him when you leave the church today. He's inside of you and gets in the car with you and goes with you wherever you go from here. Everywhere you, that's why you might want to think about where you go and what you do and what you post on the internet. Because mm. the Holy Spirit's right there inside of you. Woo! That was good right there. Thank you. One good preaching. I appreciate that. I agree with you. So if you have the Holy Spirit within you, and I have the Holy Spirit within me, this creates a divine spiritual connection between us. Right? It's the Holy Spirit in you. It's the Holy Spirit in me. We're connected by the Spirit. What does that mean? This means we can listen to him together we can move forward together into the will of God into what God wants us to get, wants us to do let me talk about that from the perspective of a spirit-filled church there is something that some of us like to call the flow of the spirit it happened this morning it happened in the first service we have a format right here it is I keep it on the lectern with me all the time that's it it's an order of service. There's a, there's a 
pre-service loop and a countdown and they sang raise a hallelujah and then I come out with a welcome and then they had more songs and transition and it's all right here we always have a format we don't wing it we got a format we've got order we know where we're going but sometimes we get in that format and the Holy Spirit starts moving and says I'd like to leave this format and take you in a different direction and we have a choice to make to either listen to him or stay stuck to this so in a spirit-filled church like this, now listen, not every church does this. A lot of churches don't do this, y'all. In a church where you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, what happens is the people up here say, oh, I feel this, I sense it. The Holy Spirit is saying he wants, to, wants us to leave this. We need to sing that song again. Or the preacher comes up with a microphone and starts singing, this is how I fight my battles. That, well, see, that's not on the format. But all of a sudden, we're singing this song, and then we, we sing it again, and then they finish the song, and Pastor Billy's on the keyboard, and we, they're done, and everybody knows, but he's tall. And, and so you have to, you know, it's time to go into the next song, and Billy just starts singing that chorus one more time. But why? Because in the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is telling him, we're not done yet, sing it one more time. And then they sing all these powerful, awesome songs that I love, the contemporary stuff, the current stuff. I love it. You know, I'm into it. I just love it. I sing it. But then sometimes I come out here, and after they sing, I'll start saying, He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. And I start singing that old hymn. And somebody could be out here going, why is the pastor singing? And we just had all that good music, and he's doing that old song. Why is he doing that? Because the Spirit of the Lord's saying you need to sing that old song why you have to sing that old song i don't know ask the holy spirit i could come up with some ideas because we got a brand new family that's come to church here and they haven't been in a church like this and they're sitting somewhere out there and they're just trying to acclimate they've watched us online about three times and they like it but now they're here for live and we're singing these songs isn't he isn't he jennifer singing and they're going i don't know that song and they're singing King of Kings and husband looks at wife and says, I don't know that song. They're just standing there for 20, 30 minutes. They're just standing there trying to worship, but they can't sing. And then this 55-year-old dude comes out and starts singing, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And the husband looks at wife and says, I know that one. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. And what happens, they get to worship. They say, I like that new music, but I like it every once in a while and they sing that old stuff too because I know that. And sometimes you sing that old song because that old song will take you back somewhere to a moment when God did. When the Savior reached down for me one day, he had to reach way down for me oh yeah I was lost and undone well, why are you singing that, singing that song because there's some people years ago that, that that song that somebody sang that song and they were at church and they weren't saved and that's all it took they said I'm, I'm lost and they went to the altar and they got saved 
See, I don't know. But the point is, in a spirit-filled church, we, we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes in the middle of the service, we're singing. I mean, they're rocking. We're singing. We're going. And, and I come out here, and I'll say, you know what? Right now, they're going to sing it some more. We need to have an altar call. If you need God to touch you, get to this altar. Right now, in the middle of the service, people start coming out of the altar. And you know, here's the thing. is, It's not just that we know what's going on up here, but you know what's going on back there. You see, I don't always, I'm not always up here. I'm in services where I go other places and whatever, you know, for meetings and conventions, whatever. And I'm sitting out there and I can tell in my spirit when God's moving. I, I've been in places, some, there are these rare occasions, but there have been times in my life. used to, everything's electronic now. I used to have a Bible and a notepad. And there have been times where I've got up to preach and I mean the spirit of the Lord is moving. They just sung a song and it's not, what's on the format is I'm supposed to preach and I've stood there trying to preach and the spirit of God's moving and people out here know you ain't supposed to preach, Pastor. You need to give an altar call. We don't want to hear you preach. We don't want to get in the altars and seek God right now. And I have shut my Bible, shut, and I've said, you know what? I'm not preaching this morning. Get to this altar right now. People have run to the altar and had their needs met by God. You said, don't know, doesn't every church do that? No, 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 they don't. Oh, no. There are a lot of preachers would never give up the moment where they get to preach the word. <laughs> preach the word. Okay, do we need the word? Absolutely, and most of the time I preach it, but every once in a long time, it's been a long time since I've done it, but what I've learned is if the Holy Spirit says, I don't need you preaching right now, you can preach this next week, I just need to start touching some people. And see, that happens because the spirit in you and the spirit in me is telling us where to go and what to do. And that creates powerful things in our church. The gifts of the spirit will be in operation. <laughs> but all, all of that happens only as we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't even have this in my notes. I added it like late last night or this morning. I don't remember. But I want to say this. When we are unified in the spirit, then we can be edified by the spirit. That's when good things start happening in your life. And God, how many times have you left this church? I have people tell me, I just cried your whole message. I said, I'm sorry, what did I say? What did I, 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 I apologize. No, 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 it was good. It's so good. I'm okay. I have people say, I cried the whole service. I said, I'm sorry if the music was bad. We can, no, no, it was, that's, it was good. It was so good. I just cried. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. I mean, I guess. But the crying, I know what it is. That's, that's you being touched by the Lord. That's you being blessed. Cry. Cry, baby, cry. Let the Lord have his way. And that's when God does his work. Churches are fractured and polarized when carnal people won't yield to the leading of the Spirit. They want to do something for carnal reasons, selfish reasons, and they don't have the mind of Christ like Pastor Billy was talking about earlier. And then those who are yielded to the Spirit know which direction the Lord is leading and which direction we should go, but they, they get in conflict with the carnal people in the church. They want to do it just because they want to do it their way, and they're not listening to the Holy Spirit, and then you have disunity. My wife said to me, told her a story. I was going, she said, you're not going to use names, are you? I said, Yeah. And I got, the, I got the pastor's wife like, honey, do you really think you should use the names? I said, then I started doubting myself. But I'm going to use the names. It's been so long ago, I think I can do this and still do respect to this little church. So a long, 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 long time ago in a galaxy far away, there was a church of God in Greer, South Carolina, the Greer Church of God. And it was a pretty good-sized church. It was okay, not, not large, but it was okay church. Wonderful people down on the Mill Hill. 
had an old building it looked like it was built in the 40s and a lot of churches are like that brick building it was a good little church just downtown and they got a new pastor and his name was Bobby Johnson you ever heard me talk about him and Bobby Johnson came to be their pastor and doing what Bobby Johnson can do he grew that church and they had revival and they were people were coming in from all over Greer and everywhere and and it got to where that church was slam-packed and they were standing around the walls every Sunday well, the Spirit of the Lord obviously is beginning to lead that church, and they know what they need to do, that God's moving. It's obvious the Spirit is moving. God's building this church. they got to sell this property. they got to relocate. They need to build. They need to grow. They've got something happening. I mean, this is one of the most exciting things happening in Greer, South Carolina. It's time to move. Everybody, people know it. we got, it's, we got to relocate. And then you had some families, some strong families, some people in that church who couldn't hear the voice of the Spirit. They were too busy seeing through earthly eyes that they couldn't hear from heaven. And they said things like, we're not moving. My grandfather laid the block and put the brick on this church. My boy got saved in that altar right down there. I'm not leaving this church. We're not leaving this. We're staying right here. And it became a point of tension and contention at the Greer Church of God. And Pastor Bobby Johnson knew he had one of two choices. He either stayed and that church would disintegrate or splinter and he'd cause terrible trouble or he'd have to leave. And so he chose to leave. He said, I'm not going to tear up this church. And he left and he went to Elmwood Avenue Church, which was one of our flagship churches at the time in Columbia, South Carolina. But the Lord was moving. 55 people in that church who could hear the Spirit said to the rest of the church, what have you done? You just run off the man who had a vision and who was taking this church places we've never been ever in our existence in the history of this church. You just ran him off. Some of them said them to their, to their elderly moms and dads who were the difficult ones. And they looked at their parents and said, I love you and I'm thankful for you and you're my mom and dad, but we're leaving. You've missed it and we're not gonna miss it. And 55 people pulled out of the Greer Church of God and started another church, met in a storefront building. Meanwhile, God was moving, the spirit was moving. And when Bobby and, and, and Peggy Johnson got to Elmwood and they moved in the parsonage, Bobby looked at Peggy and said, don't unpack the boxes. She said, why not? He said, we won't be here long. He said, the Spirit's telling me we're not going to be here long. He's up to something. They slept on a mattress on the floor for months with boxes stacked up all around their house. And he pastored that church. Meanwhile, that little group of 55 just kept on going. The state overseer of Church of God was trying to figure out what to do with them, so he got Clyde Ogle to come pastor them he was a retired minister and just he said preach to him and take care of them. I figure out what to do them do with them and finally months went by and finally they called Bobby Johnson and they said look we know you're a leading pastor in the state we know that you're at a strong church we have 55 people in the store building we don't have the money to pay you but would you come be our pastor and Bobby Johnson said I'll do it and he left that church and took those 55 people in a store building over in a, in a building near the Tadpole Fish Camp in Greer, South Carolina. His peers said, Bob, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're pastoring one of our leading churches. You could go anywhere in this state, and you're going to take 55 people in a storefront building. Have you lost your mind? And Bobby Johnson said, no, I haven't lost my mind. I'm hearing the voice of the Spirit, and these people are too. God's up to something. And I want to get a group of people who aren't afraid to take a chance with God, and I just want to see how far this thing 
can go. And he got 55 people and it started growing and growing and they had to knock out a wall and take another store building and then they outgrew that and they bought property on Brushy Creek Road and they finally built a building and they moved in and the church kept growing by leaps and bounds and another a guy named Chris the Star came there and a guy named Daryl Croft came there and a guy named Jerry Madden came there. Bob McEwen was there and they started adding staff and more and more people came in and you know what happened? Today, Praise Cathedral is the leading church of God in the state of South Carolina. I don't know, it runs somewhere between 1,500, 2,000, maybe more today. It's one of the five or top 10 churches of God in the United States of America, does mission work all over this world. I'm talking about high impact. And you know why it happened? Because 55 people and a guy named Bobby Johnson could hear the voice of the Spirit and said, we're going to go where he tells us to go and take a chance with God. And you better be glad that they heard the voice of the Spirit or else we wouldn't be here today. Because this church was a satellite of that church, a church plant from that church. It makes a difference when you're unified. And with all due respect to the Greer Church of God, and again, this was a long, 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 long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. They stayed with their 44, 144, no more, whatever they had. And, I, and I, as far as I know, all these years later, with all due respect to them, they haven't really done much of anything. Pastors have come and gone, and he's pastored and shepherded them, and it's been a good church. But they just couldn't hear the Spirit. I'm telling you that when we as a church keep our ears in tune listen i gotta hurry church leaders church leaders have got to be able to hear the voice of the spirit it starts with the leadership right everything rises and falls on leadership it starts with the leadership it starts with the pastor the pastoral staff it goes to the deacons and the elders and the other church leaders we've got to be able to hear the voice of the spirit and when you have the voice of the spirit it is amazing what you can do and where you go. And you want to know one of the reasons why in 22 and a half years God has done so much at this church is because for 22 and a half years we have kept our ear to the down close to hear the, the voice of God and what he wants us to do and that we have tried to do it. Sometimes it, people have said, are you, are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when we transitioned the music and we did some things. My wife, she's listening, honey, forgive me, but I'm going to tell on you. I, it got so rough at one point because sometimes when you go into the things that God wants you to do and the transition, it can get rough. And I remember my, my own wife looked at me one day. She said, are you sure you heard from God? I said, yes, I am sure I heard from God. It's bad when your own wife question you. That'll make you doubt right there. But I never lost a night's sleep. I, I said, I know that I know that I know that I know. And that's why the leadership, and let me just tell you about your church, and let me tell you about your leaders. And I, and I think some of you know leadership is my niche. That's my thing. That's my, my, my graduate degrees in leadership. I love leadership. I've read more leadership books. I just, I love studying leaders. I just love leadership principles. It just, it's my passion. And, uh, and, and there is a technique that can be used. And some of you may want to use this in your business, in the business world. But there is a technique, and, and it's a good technique. It's called the meeting before the meeting. And I don't ever go into a deacon's meeting Rarely do I go into a deacon's meeting. If I do, it's a slip-up. And I just blindside those men or the elders, just blindside them out of the blue where the whole group's going, what, what do you, what do you? And I'm like, this is what we're going to do. I don't do that. What I do is I get with deacons one-on-one, -on -one, maybe a couple at a time. 
And the Lord's dealing with me and speaking to me about the next ministry, the next person to hire, the next, the next thing that we're supposed to do. And I get with the deacons, one or two of the guys, and I'll say, listen, I'm gonna run something by you, and I want your reaction. Give me your honest reaction. And I'll tell them. And I can't tell you the times that a deacon has looked at me and said, this is weird. I said, what's weird? It's weird you're asking me this. I said, why is it weird? Because just yesterday I told my wife, we need to start this ministry that you're talking about. Or it'll be, and they'll say, you know, pastor, I was just thinking, that is so funny. I was just thinking five minutes ago, we need to do, we need to build this building. We need to, it will happen time and time again. They have no idea what I'm coming to them about. But what's happening is it's confirmation to me that the Holy Spirit in me that's talking to me, same Holy Spirit as them is talking to them. And when I know that the leadership is hearing from God, then I know we're on the right track. I'll talk to church members, and church members who have the Holy Spirit will say, well, Pastor, I think that's a really good idea. As a matter of fact, that seems like the next thing we need to do. I can see that's where the Spirit in us, the Spirit in you will lead us and guide us. I have not said this publicly until last service. We got a big old field down here behind the Mac that was a softball field, but unfortunately in Anderson, which is so ironic, church softball has died. And so there's not really much church softball anymore. We, we spent tons of money to bring in fill-in dirt to because we had to go buy, you know, the Lord gave us a piece of property that goes downhill. So we have to grade everything. So we brought in fill-in dirt topsoil. We graded, we, we graded, you don't know how much dirt we brought in to grade that thing and pack it down to make that... We've got this graded field. We irrigated it. We, we put lights on it at one time, so there's power that's already run. There's electricity. There, there's water that's already there. The field's already graded. There's a retention pond already in place for the other properties. All this is set. And recently, I was going by that field, and I started looking, and the Lord began to deal with me, and I thought, you know what would be cool? Because that is a big area down there, three, three and a half acres. I thought if we could put a big gymnasium slash student teen center down there, and just, but I started imagining just in my spirit all these things. We just, I'm talking about a complex that I could just starting to see the whole thing down there. So I got with a deacon or two or three, and I said, "Let me run something by you." And and the deacons are going, "Yeah, I can see that. I can see that in my spirit, in their spirit." Mark Brown is one of our deacons. He's a charter member and an all-around great guy, cap, usher, captain. Mark just taught me. Mark, Mark headed up the men's breakfast we had, guys. You remember a few weeks ago? Mark, we were out there. I think it was before or afterwards. We were standing out there, and I was looking down that field, and the first time I said, Mark, I said, let me run something by you. I said, I see something down there. He said, okay, what do you see? And I told him. He said, I like it. And he said, you want me to tell you what I, what I said coming in here today? I said, what? He said, I drove in here and drove by that and looked down at that field, and I said, that's the biggest waste of property. We need to do something with that. He said, then here you come talking about something you got a vision for. He said, I, I, he said, I see it. The reason why in 22 and a half years we have 28 acres of property and this property with this building was a million dollars and that one was a million and a half and an office complex is enviable by, enviable by from some for some that was a half a million dollars. And we've, we've done things around this world and missions and built church. Yo, how do you do all that? We've done it because we just kept our ears open to what the Spirit has to say. And then when he said go, we go. I'm just telling you high praises. The unity of the Spirit, 
is a dynamic that keeps us moving together in the right direction as a church of what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. Let me ask you all something. How many of you all want us to stay united in the spirit? Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. If you wanted to shout, you should have shouted during the singing. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just in this rich, deep stuff, and I'm loving it and sharing my heart, just teaching some things that we need to know if we're going to be a spirit-filled church. I just love teaching this because it helps some of you understand why, who we are and what we do and why we operate the way we do. And I don't ever want to stop listening to the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm going to give you, give you a challenge to incorporate into your prayer life. I'm going to ask you to adjust your prayer life. And I want you to adjust it in this way. And what I'm asking you to do, I do already. I did it this morning on my prayer walk. When you are praying and you begin to pray for High Praises Church, I want to ask you and challenge you to do this. Pray, Lord, I pray that in High Praises Church, we will always have the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Keep our church protected, Lord. and Let us always be unified in the Spirit and always go in the direction you want us to go. Is that something you think you could do? Is it something you will do? Pray for your church. God, let us always stay unified. And I want us to close out this segment before we, we do something else. I, I want us to just close out. I want us to have a corporate prayer. And I'll, first of all, I want you to thank God for the unity that's here at High Praises. Thank God for the unity. And that's why if you weren't here last Sunday, I guess I need to say it. I said it last Sunday. I'm not preaching because there's trouble in the church, okay? I was preaching on unity. Must be something going on. Nothing's going on, Okay. I'm preaching preventatively. I'm just preaching to, to help us understand. But I want us to thank God for the unity, but then I want us to pray, God, always help us to endeavor to keep that unity, to help me, God, to do my part. Can you pray that? Come on, join with me. Father, all of us together. Come on, y'all help me here. Join with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we pray together as a church. All the saints are praying. First of all, we thank you for the unity of the church. Thank you for the unity of high praises. Thank you for the bond of peace. Thank you, God, for what you've done in this place. I give you honor, glory, and praise. It's your church, and I'm so glad, Father, for what you've done in this place. And, Father, we pray now, God, that you'll help us to do our part, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Help us, Lord, to always stay unified, to listen to the Holy Ghost, to, to not be carnal or selfish or fleshly, but to, to do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And I pray, God, that there will be peace in this place always. Yes, we're going to clash. Yes, there are going to be personality conflicts. Yes, we've got idiosyncrasies, and we're going to get on each other's nerves sometimes. But, Father, help us to be gentle and humble and meek and lowly and, 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 and patient with one another and put up with each other and love each other, God, beyond those things, just like we do in our family because we truly are family. We are brothers and sisters. And I just thank you, God, for, for what you've done, what you're doing, and by faith, what you're going to do. And we just give you praise, honor, and glory. God, we take authority over every, every, every demonic force that would try to come against this church. Any, anyone or anything that would try to come and splinter this church, God, ever. We just pray you put a hedge around this place always and help us to love each other as Christ loves the church. And we love you and love, love each other. And we just thank you, Father, for it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.